the haps macaco welcome to another episode of the hurt circus this is episode 14 and i'm your ringleader and host the clown and tiger of maestro and mystery himself nicholas ridiculous aka nick Ridick, aka the hairless hyena <laughs> And let's just say shit's going off the rails, you know? It's crazy out there right now in the world. It's hard to say what's really going to happen because it seems like everyone's really tired of just everything that's been going on, yet we're all kind of just on edge inside of our homes, just kind of quarantined off away from everyone else. Everyone's just got their faces glued to their phones and the internet. We're all just living virtually now for real. Not even to mention the whole, you know, this toilet paper shit that's going on. Luckily, we have a little wool report to give you the lowdown on what's happening in these mean streets of ours. (laughs) Ha ha! Roll that shit, 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 shit. Well, folks, here we are, the year 2020, the year we all want to cancel that went and canceled itself. My lord, here we are with the COVID-19, the virus dos coronos, the coronavirus. It is sending the world into mayhem. People are panicking all around the world. A person is smart, but people, oh boy, how stupid they can be. People coming in droves to hitting their local grocery stores and supermarkets to just strip away anything they can find by way of toilet paper and ass cleaning supplies. People have been beginning to believe that this may be the currency of the future when the apocalypse comes and all money loses real intrinsic value. We will be bartering and trading in squares of tissue. That's right, ass paper. All around the world, people have spun out into panic. Governments have overextended their control over their populations, shutting down borders, grounding flights like school children. And here we are, set to isolate and distance ourselves from each other further and further, sending us into the void of the divided and the conquered. Will this ever cease? Or is this our new way of being? A true introvert's paradise. Strange times. Today. And there it is, folks. It's wild. It's it's fucking wild out there. I don't even like mad food, but what are you gonna what are you gonna clean yourself with when you're done? You know, it's just like this whole Corona craze is like it's just really shown how shakeable our society is and the world we've built for ourselves. How just frail it all is it's just like a house of fucking cards up in here a fucking house of dollar bills if you really want to get more technical about it it's like the capitalist the machine of capitalism is just like <laughs> it's 
trying to chug on, but it's slowly losing fuel, which is us. And the hive mind is just kind of feeding off itself and going off the rails. It's that funny, you know, one bad apple spoils the bunch or um, just the whole, like, you know, fucking a person is smart, but fuck, people are dumb as shit. You know, it's 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 just like so funny to actually see it happening in real time just all around us right now it's it just gives you the mentality that you gotta fucking avoid the herd and protect the pack you know just kind of make sure you're all good but then that's what's creating kind of the almost borderline hysteria it's just everyone's The tribe has been fragmented and we're all kind of, you know, trying to get on the fucking lifeboats before the next guy. The ripples of it are just so real. Like schools have been, like March break has been extended two to three weeks or some shit. And like all, everything's canceled, all sports, all fucking just events. Anything that pertains to large groups of people is just kind of dissolving all around us and I guess it's for good reason you know they didn't stop the planes coming out of China when the virus first got announced so I guess now we have to really just buckle the fuck down and (laughs) make up for lost fucking ground or some shit it's just like man it's it's so funny when you look back on it like that it's like if only we had started grinding things to a halt sooner might have been able to nip it in the bud, but now it's just everywhere. Like, fuck, our prime minister's wife got it. Now he's in quarantine. The fucking push-up beard bro himself, Trudeau, you know. it's. But I guess they are talking about helping people out financially. Because, you know, it's just because everything else in the world is stopping, I guess, doesn't mean bills are stopping. So <laughs> people still got to get paid even when they're not being paid i don't know it's a that's where the it's where the hiccups in our system and the glitches in the matrix are starting to show themselves and we're just kind of all waiting i guess for one or the other shoe to drop because really realizing how little we can do other than what people are doing which is buying fucking toilet paper which as we said in the road part is probably the currency of the fucking future once it all crumbles down (laughs) A new economy built on Continental and Royale two-ply. Them soft dollars coming in hard. Replacing those fucking greenbacks. Baby! (laughs) But hell, fuck. The ripples are being felt for real. Like, like I had two very kind of situation-changing events happen in two days. Thursday and Friday, they just passed. And it's like, my God, you know, it's uh, <laughs> it's really got me thinking about the give and the take of the universe, the kind of the push and the pull. And I'm like thinking about these concepts of the give and the take. And I'm like, oh, fuck, I'm just the force is real, I guess, because I was like, that's what I live by is the kind of what the universe ebbs and flows in your life and the highs and lows, the gives and takes, and I'm like, shit, that's all just force talk. I'm talking about the goddamn force. I fucking, 
I somehow organically, logically came around to living by the force in some odd, weird, real way. But it's just interesting because, like, Thursday night, I fucking get the apartment I've been waiting for for months. Literally months, just, like, we started this whole sequence of, like, damn, well, it's available. Like, I'm moving in at the end of the month. I'm moving in in April, which is dope to move in at the beginning and not the end <laughs> be able to enjoy my birthday a little more hopefully be a little more settled for that but it's like you get that and it's like totally awesome fucking sick and it started this whole sequence of having to hustle and get my first and last by the end of the month which is like a whole kind of stressful thing in itself and then the next day I go into work and at the end of the day they call me in and basically tell me because of all of the closures and everything that stopped running the business is having to restructure and change, so I got laid off, basically, which was a whole trippy thing. I'm just like, all right, well, there's positives to it because it's probably the push I need to finally get out and find something that I find more fulfilling and satisfying on a more long-term basis, just in regards to my life and the artistic kind of career I'd like to have and creativity and and not just being some autonomous piece of a machine, you know? Some cog that's just not ever really doing anything tangible or real. But it also was like I got a little bit of a severance, which which covers my first and last pretty succinctly. So it's like a weird kind of... Like I got one thing and lost another, but creating a new path towards something else, all stemming from, like this fucking corona bullshit because the way the ripples of that have affected everything and all the systems it's reverberating and slowly the rust is the rust is fucking the rust is spreading throughout the infrastructure of our society and it's all kind of slowly slowing down to a pace it's almost becoming a crawl it's just like, are we gonna pick back up and swing back, swing back the other way, or how deep are we gonna plunge into this zombie apocalypse seeming slow roll into fucking The Walking Dead? Because <laughs> you know, the, the world doesn't end with a bang, it ends with a whimper, baby. It ends with a fucking whimper. <laughs> And as I've just outlined, you know, true change is true change is fucking just swift and quick and unforeseen in most cases, you know, it's just like whew, comes in and just almost sideswipes you in a way, 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 in a way. I'm going to tell you something, Rosalind. I spent four years in the war. Did two tours, flew 50 missions. Every time I came back to base, I started to design this house. But somehow, I could never get it to look like my idea of it. Now it almost does. You just walk in, a stranger out of nowhere, and for the first time, it all lights up. And I'm sure you know why, too. (laughs) Why? Because you have the gift for life, Rosalind. The rest of us, we just looking for a place to hide and watch it all go by. Amen. 
Here's to your life, Rosalind. I hope it goes on forever. And it's... It's just... All you can do is just laugh, really, because it's like, damn. The control we think we have is... The control we think we convince ourselves we have. It's not any real control. It's the things we manipulate in our daily lives to convince ourselves we're the ones controlling the speed on the track. But when it comes to big things that can really alter your life, it's like, man, those things are like fucking elements of the wilds. It's like you can't even tame the beast. The beast comes in and fucking tames you. (laughs) And man... (laughs) Fucking breaking this stallion, you know? It's <laughs> it's a goddamn trip. And that's the craziest part is like because of my life in the child welfare industry and the whole just constant upheaval and just kind of living on eggshells. It's like to feel the vibes of everyone's collective craze it's like a weird riding of the wave of chaos you know you kind of begin to thrive in it because it's almost like the world is stepping up to your vibrato you know the vibrations in which you live it's stepping up into your level of that and it's people are seeing what you see almost in a strange way it's like a matching of the status and it's it's funny because people are really just not handling it well just stress buying toilet paper and fucking bullshit (laughs) I just hope you know they keep them snacks stocked you know what I'm saying because fuck all this shit just makes you want to do is curl up in a ball with some dope snacks and watch my damn stories. <laughs> and it's it's weird because I'm also like I'm trying to get a couple of different projects off the ground, and it's like, do you just keep chugging forward with those or what? Because it's like, like I got this new thing I'm working on with Free to Be where I'm just trying to create a like a magazine which is like a collaborative showcase of unsung artists and their work, whether that be writing, anything from articles to poetry to short stories to opinion pieces or whatever, to visual arts, as in paintings, illustrations, murals, fucking photography, anything that anyone kind of wants to submit that can be portrayed in a two-dimensional medium or whatever you know and it's it's strange it's like everyone's it's not sure where everyone's focus is and it's hard to get people on board when you're just kind of you're trying to just kind of seed an idea and it's not really a seed anymore because it's begun to sprout and i'm putting work in on it in a serious way it's it's just difficult to create something when you don't really have all the components yet and it's it's like where do you start where do you begin I'm personally going to start writing some articles and stuff. I got tons of fucking art and bullshit and creative writing I can submit, but it's also like I don't want it to just be a fucking magazine of my work because it's not about me. It's about creating a platform 
a tangible platform for people, you know, and, um, it's difficult reaching out because I'm also not the most fucking, you know, outroverted person, but, um, I'm working on it and I got a couple people in, in mind for certain, like, sections or articles on, like, well-being and entertainment and stuff like that. And I'm also, you know, gonna write articles for it. It's, it's just daunting, really to be honest, and I'm hoping people come through, like, I've got, I've had a few people reach out or mention that they will, so hopefully they stick to their guns, and this whole corona craze doesn't wash out the efforts that I'm trying to put out there to get people involved, because it's, it's daunting for sure, but I'm excited to actually get going on, especially now that I don't have my day job sucking all my energy away on the regular it's like I'll be able to put forth more of an effort and actually hopefully rebuild my work momentum and my energy and focus because I don't have this thing kind of sucking away at my teats constantly it's just like a a burden for the bills you know and just put more energy into my creative endeavors because I'm also with one of my coworkers, this guy Ryan, who runs Benchmark Athletics, which is like a printing shop. Um, we're gonna do a line of graphic T-shirts, so fusing a bunch of my traditional, unreleased art that I've been doing on like my iPad and shit, and use his like skill in printing and shit like that to hopefully create a pretty, a pretty dope line of t-shirts and sweaters that you know we're hoping will just give us something to to do really and put more work out there and hopefully build some kind of buzz around both our works in some kind of tangible way and it's just cool because I've always wanted like I I fucking love graphic t-shirts more than anything like you throw me an extra large fucking vintage printed up tea man i'm fucking i'm the happiest little pig in the pen you know what i mean baby (laughs) but yeah it's fucking been dead and we're hoping to uh i'm gonna be working on that actually doing a lot of the work on preparing preparing the things to prepare the screens so it's a lot of tracing and just getting my hands dirty and i'm really excited to get it going really to be honest because it's just going to be fucking dope to see that shit once it's all printed up in fucking crispy readies, you know? Mmm. Because it'll just be fucking cool. Like, I've also um, been working with, you know, Dimebag Crew's always hustling. Where, when, when and where we can, for sure. Um, we got an opportunity to do some shows for the city of Toronto throughout the summer. Hopefully, um... It's just a lot of our material isn't family-friendly, and a lot of the events are, you know, public family-friendly events. So we're going to have to just bust our buns and uh, create some family-friendly content and material that we can perform. And we really want to do some stuff that has more performing in mind because a lot of our albums and stuff, the music we made was kind of just hit the ground running, making shit, just getting it out, kind of trying things, trying different things, experimenting in different ways, and just, it was almost like a carving of our, a carving of our style and aesthetic, 
And I think now that we have this, and like we did our one little performance, which was pretty dope, the little fucking, the five song set. I probably didn't talk about that yet, but we, we did that in, in Peterborough at the end of February at the Twisted Wheel on the 28th. And yeah, Peterborough and, um, it was a really cool experience, you know, I'll be honest, I, like, all I wanted to do was be prepared, and we prepared and practiced a lot, which was dope, it was just, you know, there was some technical, like, we didn't do a sound check or anything, so there were, the technical levels weren't the best I heard from some of the people in the audience, and uh, I could have been a little more, a little bit more tight with it, I'll be honest, because, I, I guess, I think the the intensity of it and the anxiety and stress of it, I kind of blacked out and went on autopilot a bit because it's hard to remember looking back, but because I think I was just so in the moment, you know, I wasn't thinking or anything, I was just doing. And I just hope it made for a pretty, pretty cool first performance for us, you know. It wasn't anything too big, but it was still just, to get it, the first one done felt, felt like something, especially after not really doing it at all yet for Dimebag Crew itself. So it was it was really awesome and hopefully we're still waiting. Hopefully, you know, it's been a few weeks now, but some photographer out there is gonna come through with some decent pics of us performing because no one really got any, let's be honest. It's which is kinda disappointing, but you know, what can you do? We'll just have to talk to a photographer before our next one and get someone who's actually gonna be doing us specifically and just throw them some cash or whatever. But we're, so yeah, we're hoping to just create some stuff that's more in line with performing and that's going to be more kind of interactive for audiences, whether that be more repetitive stuff that people can easily just kind of learn after the first couple goes and then start singing along and more kind of vibey and boppy stuff so people can really just get into it, you know, and have a little bit more fun when when performing and not so much of a regimented thing where you're so focused on just hitting your breaths and getting the words out and just being so fast and everything it's just it can be really hard and take a lot of the creativity out of it so we want to just dial it back a bit and create some more audience friendly live performance friendly tracks and shit which could be a whole other process in itself we still got to talk it out and work it out but I think it'll be fucking good once we do. And that's where I'm at creatively recently. It's just, you know, it, it's a massive transitional time right now. This whole month is going to be strange for the change. And I'm hoping to just fucking do what I can to keep up with it, really. Because, you know, it's it's so easy to just let yourself not. And just to stop. And just to regress and slide back into where you're trying to get away from whether that be you or your life or some things in your life it's it's so easy to just slide back to what's comfortable and what you know because you know your ass groove is still up in that seat so every time you go back it just feels like fucking home and that's the hard concept of home is like getting away from home to create a new home is you gotta you gotta transfer that magic you know and it's it's never easy, but it's also most oftentimes so fucking worthwhile to just allow yourself to push yourself hard enough to fucking get to that next fucking level.
And that's all we're trying to do, my yinas. You know what I'm saying? It's shit. Now we're probably going to get to a little more of the serious stuff. Drop, 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 drop it. Welcome to the sound of suspense, to the fear you can hear. Welcome to the world of terrifying imagination. And, and, and now, now we get into a little more of the heavy shit, you know what I'm saying? Oh, you know what I'm saying. You step into the hurt circus, baby. There's gonna be a little hurt in the circus. Shit. You know how we play, baby. You know how we play. You pay the ticket price. You get your seat. And the fucking ringleader's gonna give you a show. And today it's... You know, a friend of mine who experienced a lot of life in the child welfare industry as well. She brought something to my attention while she was researching uh, our highway of tears here in Ontario. Can I don't know. I think it might be an Ontario thing. It might be a Canada thing. Probably Ontario. But the Highway of Tears, where it's like, I think they dedicate trees to, you know, people who pass away and tragically. And while researching it, she came across this story about a young girl named Savannah. Let me uh, pull up something here. Pull up something here, so I just get everything right. Yeah. Um. So she came across this story of this young, this young girl named Savannah Brianna Marie Hall, and she, you know, she's from British Columbia, and she was living in the foster care system. And um, at three years old, her mother was Aboriginal, native of, of Canada. So, you know, more of a target on her back and in regards to systems like social services and the child welfare industry and, you know, just under the hard foot of the government in regards to, you know, penalties for way of life. And, you know, she had her young daughter taken away from her. And um, it was tragic because it's... Um, she was born in 1997, and she passed away in 2001 at the age of three years old after um, just um, negligence and horrible treatment from her foster parents. Um, basically, they found her strapped with leather straps to her crib, and yeah, she. they basically were using foster children as source of income mainly and you know I guess just fucking neglected this poor little girl until you know life decided to neglect her also and she just passed away horribly like just so horribly and 
it's just it's just sad because it's like you deem these parents just so just unfit to be parents i guess to the point where you take their children away under promise that they're going somewhere much better and in all actuality you 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 say that but it's not even a guarantee you a lot of the time put them somewhere it's almost all the time it's worse in regards to it's a fucking simulation of everything that they'll never have and it's nothing real or tangible but it's also you're putting them somewhere where in some cases it's so much worse that in the worst case like this they're fucking just murdered by neglect and just so unloved and it's it's heartbreaking because it's such a worst case scenario and it the worst part is is it happens and the even worst part is is they were never convicted of anything really it, it was more of this fucking non-transparent non-accountable fucking behavior by these systems empowered by our government to just hold sway over the lives of so many underserved and less fortunate people that it's just a loss of life and no one is held to any kind of quota or status or punishment you know it's it's fucked up it's almost like they blame the system so no person individually is responsible or it is honestly it's 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 infuriating really because it's like how the fuck (laughs) like how does that happen like are we like is our country in its spirit just that broken that we can't even be accountable for our actions and admit when you do something so incredibly wrong that it results in the death of a three-year-old girl who never even got the chance to understand the world or love or family or just anything that could be real in a child's life. And instead, it's instead she's given straps and restraint and neglect and the opposite of love and the opposite of life. And even and left behind a mother who was told she was unfit and told her daughter was going somewhere where she would be given a happy and better life and to just feel so tricked and like I can't even like how that must feel the the strength it must have taken to go through something like that and the strength it must continuously take to somehow find peace within yourself to come to terms with something like that and to not because something like that like that that kind of shit can break so many people and just drive them so far into themselves and the ground that they the world might never ever see them again because of how how it just came in and fucked their life and never never apologized or offered some semblance of 
a piece or a making of the piece in regards to the way they just came in like a tornado, tore up your entire fucking house, and then just fucking pieced out off the other end of your yard. You know, it's like, I can't even, I can't even begin to understand what it must have taken and how it must have felt and just the entire process. And I, I, I read online, like, you can Google this case, you know, Savannah Brianna Marie Hall. You can look it up, and it's, it talks about her mother and what she does now, and I think she's more of an advocate and just trying to not let it sour her, which is just so beautiful, you know. You, you go through something that's so fucking shattering and then just to still find the way to refract the darkness to the light and find the strength to just do something better and just to hope it doesn't happen to, to someone else because like, I, couldn't, I can't, can't imagine what that must be like in the pain. Maybe I can in some way, in some unresolved way because that's how we're all left really is just no accountability, no nothing. It's just, hey, this is your life. It's on you. We just we just took control of everything. We're not the ones who are at fault, which is just a bonkers reality to have to come to terms with. It's, it, it like that shit hurts, man. But you know, that's, that's where we're just fighting against ghosts because none of it fucking matters, right? To them, it's, it's yesterday, yesterday's business, and they're more worried about fucking tomorrow's income, so. <laughs> but then also, you know, on the opposite spectrum, not so much the opposite, this opposite in situation, but the context surrounding is kind of the same, where I watched the trials or the case of Gabriel Fernandez on Netflix, that, you know, docu-series, and whoo-wee, that's fucking, they talked about so many concepts and just tropes and shit inside that show that I have been wrestling with in my own mind, and it was just so validating, and just felt so good to not, to realize I wasn't the only one who kind of had these views and opinions towards things like child welfare industries and services that are just kind of mindlessly unaccountably just tearing apart family and children's lives to seemingly no regard to anyone but their own mandates 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 in a rare move, four social workers were charged today in an extreme case of child abuse where an eight-year-old boy died. CBS 2's Randy Page tells us what they are accused of doing. I have a message for the four social workers. You brought this upon yourself. Your conviction will be our greatest victory. The cousin of Gabriel Fernandez is reacting to the district attorney's decision to charge four social workers with child abuse and falsifying public records in connection with the eight-year-old's torture and death in 2012. Stephanie Rodriguez, Patricia Clement, Kevin Baum, and Gregory Merritt were in court today for their arraignment on the felony charges.
Prosecutors say Gabriel's mother, Pearl Fernandez, and her boyfriend, Asaro Aguirre, tortured and murdered the little boy in one of the most gruesome child abuse cases in L.A. County history. They are awaiting trial for the boy's murder and could face the death penalty. But District Attorney Jackie Lacey says the four social workers should also be held criminally responsible for allowing the boy to remain in the abusive home after multiple allegations of abuse were reported to county authorities. L.A. County's Director of Children and Family Services says the four social workers did not follow the proper protocols in Gabriel's case. What makes you think they are being followed now? What's different today than the day he died? Well, I think one thing that's different is the fact that that tragic situation has sensitized all of our staff to the consequences of actions which they take every day. Today in court, a judge lowered the bail from 150 to 100,000 for all four defendants. They'll be back in court later this month. In Koreatown, Randy Page, CBS 2 News. And I think it was around episode four of the the docu-series, I believe it was episode four, where they full-on focus on the, uh, what's it called, CPS, I think? Yeah, Child Protective Services, and um, or DCP, DCS. I forget what they call it in California where this was all happening, but they do a whole episode focusing on just how how badly these child welfare people fucked up in the case of Gabriel Fernandez, who was a boy who was basically, he, his mother, who was like, you know, just straight up gangster, had him. She didn't want him. She had him anyways because her uncle or brother convinced, convinced her to have him. And then he lived with her gay brother or uncle. I forget which one. It was his uncle, I think. Yeah, his gay uncle and his partner. Until, you know, I'm pretty sure the family thought that it was wrong for two gay guys to raise him. So then he went with the great uncle, his grandparents or some shit, and then ended up somehow living with his mom at some point with her bro- her boyfriend. And they basically, like, systematically tortured this kid and basically took out all of their hatred and life's anger and just really fucking, like, it's it's hard. It's hard to watch some like some people with weak stomachs who've never experienced or dealt with anything like this might not be able to handle it because you never would understand how someone could treat a child like this. But but it was an eight month long period of them just beating and battering and torturing this child until it ended with him just dying. And it got to a point where he was in a coma and they just had to pull the plug because it was they fucking killed him. They killed the kid, and the whole show is just investigating the entire thing and the entire this was back in 2013 it all happened and um the show is just dissecting the entire thing and episode four they focus in on the social workers and all of that infrastructure and systemic bullshit that kind of oppositely the way it happens in most cases they didn't take the child away which resulted in his death but he was also living with people he never really was supposed to because he was supposed to be with his uncles but then that whole I guess stigma of them being gay and the traditional families and and yeah it's basically they because I guess there is a, a like a belief in the child welfare industry that you know they know that taking a child away from his parents is like life altering and a child should stay with their family even if like they said like even if it's not completely beneficial it's going to be better for the kid and that's probably like i've talked about shit like that on this podcast since day one you know the whole just the primal nature of family and the 
parental and child relationships and just that whole just natural chasm of just wealth and knowledge that needs to be handed down and passed down and just love and so but they used it in the worst way where they just kind of and there was a whole system of just people who were noticing all of these things that were wrong with this kid and everyone reporting it and reporting it and reporting it and just bureaucratic bullshit and guidelines from these child welfare people who just never acted in a way that they should have or were supposed to. When really they could have just put him back with his, his uncle who like him his uncle and his partner were like they loved him. They was their son, their baby and but they just fucking they didn't, you know, and they were dealing with someone who knew how to manipulate systems like this, his mom and shit, and instead of offering real help or anything like that, they just let it happen. Now, this may sound like it goes against everything I've been saying, but it's it doesn't because there's different ways to handle different situations. And obviously this situation wasn't getting better at all. It was almost, it was getting progressively worse and worse. And it's like, at what point do you, you know, actually truly intervene or actually find some other way to make the situation work in a healthier manner because they just straight up ignored it and the best part is is those social workers all the social workers involved were held accountable like they all went to court and you know faced the chance of doing some major time just for the neglect that resulted in the death of this young boy who you know just because even like in that episode, they have a whole sequence of just footage of children being taken away from their parents. And it was like, whew. And they were just talking about how bad it is for kids and how traumatic it is. And man, it was f- like my whole body reacted to that shit. Because it was like, I went through that so many times, I can't even count, to be honest. And it's like, it's like a strange soul shattering and simultaneously validating feelings of just like you know you're not the only one and you weren't the only one and you still aren't the only one and it's still but then it it hurts because it's like it happened and it still happens and it's happening all the time and i still have to finish the series like i haven't finished it yet because it's like it's so intense i have to like really focus and dial in when i'm watching it but you know, I'll drop my thoughts and sh- opinions on how it all resolves, but it's like, it's a fucking wild ride, and it spins right into the whole child. Like, I didn't, I wasn't sure if it, didn't know it was going to spin out into that direction, but it did, and it was just like, fucking intense, the way they just went off the rails with it, and just the holes in the infrastructure and the still the lack of accountability and transparency in the way they operate is just you know and it, it and that the whole event created you know a a, pleng- a pendulum swing and a backlash of now I'm sure they fucking take kids away no matter what so it's like no matter what's happening or what's going on it seems we're always just doing it the wrong way and you're not doing it for the people you're trying to serve you're doing it for the ones who are there who are serving them and it's yeah at what point it's like who's more important you know and who's uh, who's the one who's meant to sacrifice and who are they meant to sacrifice it for 
But I know, you know, I know it's not, it's not, none of this is easy. None of it is. And, but it's also like, it could be easier and it could be better. And it's almost like, you know, there's the two sides of everything. And this is like two sides who are arguing over what should be done. And the side that's winning is the side whose opinions maybe shouldn't be the ones that are being followed. Or we're just so stuck in old systems and old ways that we just can't even ever... We're too much in this system to step out of it to think of how we could be doing it differently or better or creating some kind of a new system that is just built to oppose the way these ones are. Because it's just... We're creating so much bad that's almost like... And a lot of it is time release. So it's like we're doing things and not realizing the bad that's happening with, and just continuing to do that. And then we're almost reaching the points now where those time releases are starting to click open and um, all of the, the issues and problems are starting to ooze and pour out of every fucking orifice. <laughs> Juicy, baby. Got that juicy booty with the poom poom. Quite an experience to live in fear, isn't it? That's what it is to be a slave. I've seen things you people wouldn't believe. <laughs> All those moments will be lost in time. Like <clears throat> tears in rain. None of this is ever easy, and we're living in a time where the world, the people of the world, we were really getting sick and tired of the way things were going, and there's a lot of protests and disagreements with those in power, and a lot of threats to the wealthy's status and prominence. Like, you had Bernie rising up in popularity in the presidential election for America, and then somehow, out of nowhere, I guess Biden took the spot that him and Bernie were fighting for, which is just insane, especially if you go back and watch all the insane things Joe Biden has been saying for the last little while. Like, the man is so old, he's, like, stroking out. So somehow, some form of fucking influence has altered that whole entire thing, so there's just no chance of true, crazy, just systemic change over there. (laughs) 
And then over here you had all the the native protests for the pipeline and people coming together against our government and their colonial ways that were really showing through because, you know, we thought we were just so open and accepting, but I guess we're only like that to hide our true colonialistic fucking ways and the way that the government is being operated. But luckily, coronavirus has shown up and gave the governments all over the world excuses to just squash any real just movements of humanity in the ways of people coming together and really discussing issues that are happening around our world and the issues in the way our governments and power structures are kind of flexing their muscle and power and what they're using it for and how they're kind of controlling our lives and the constant way of not giving us anything to vote for and thinking that giving some giving people something to vote against is going to get them out there when really it's just going to shut us down and make us continuously lose hope in those who claim to hold sway and power over what we want and need in our daily lives. It's just, you know, luckily coronavirus came in out of nowhere and just quashed anything, had people more worried about fucking toilet paper than what the fucking, what was going on with anything before any of this. And it's like, yep, yeah, fuck everyone's rights, fuck everything. They just retained all control. They just, the panic is ensuing. It's a low panic right now, and I guess we'll see in the weeks to come what happens for real. But, man, they just really shut us up and got us to fucking stay quiet and isolate ourselves even further. And I said it once, and I'll say it again. We are the divided, and we are the conquered motherfuckers in a world of bonkers and craziness we are just fucking the wind up and goes and where we goes nobody knows (laughs) but i just want to thank you once again for taking the time to lend me an ear and stop in at the most wonderful show in the world the her circus i've been your host Nicholas Ridiculous, a.k.a. Nick Ridic, a.k.a. The Hairless Hyena. And this has been episode 14. If you would like to get involved in any way, shape, or form with the show or share a story, do a fucking drop, whatever you want, any way you want to be involved, just hit us up at thehurtcircus at gmail.com. You can hit me up on my website, nicholasridiculous.ca, or on my Instagram, at nicholasridiculous. Find me on Facebook, nicholasridiculous, at nickridic, or on my upcycle fashion website, www.underbellysociety.com, our music website, dimebagcrew.ca, where you can find links to all our music, which you can easily, even easier than going to the website, you can search it up on any of your musical streaming platforms. That's dimebagcrew.ca all one word we got our debut album trilogy out thanks nah and heathen's world it's all good it's all gold it's all crispy baby and check out any of my other work at any other websites it's all linked everywhere and you know i'm just i got a lot of shit out there did a lot doing a lot going keep doing you know what i'm saying so do what you can to support because right now it's just trying to build a bridge from Working that fucking day job bullshit to creative professionalism and just doing this shit and just focusing all my energy on it and getting it fucking done. You know what I'm saying? Because you know how it is. Watch your fucking step out there, motherfuckers. 
Cause life's a god damn tree. tree. Peace. She's like a monster. You know, mental disturbances. We'll probably end up on the